Hello and welcome to episode two of the Convivio Agency Leaders podcast. I'm Steve Parks. I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Joe Baker, and we're going to be talking about all the issues of leading agency businesses. It's a very different kind of business model, and we'll talk about that in a moment, uh, but it requires a different kind of leadership. And we found through the pandemic that so many leaders were, were struggling with this, this form of business model, and we wanted to do something to help and do the research to help and get the message and the learning out there to help and share stories between different agency leaders. And this podcast is one of the things that we're going to be doing. Every two weeks, we'll put out an episode talking to an agency leader about their leadership style, their leadership lessons they've learned over time, um, and lessons that we can draw from that. And we'll share other tips and things we've learned from our research too. Uh, this week, we want to begin by talking about that idea of the different business models that I mentioned, because there's a particular difference in the agency model, which is that agencies are providing that knowledge, that expertise, and so on, that's helping clients interface with the world. And that's an important concept. They're not just producing something and selling a product to somebody, they are an interface. And it's vital to sort of understand that and picture that. So if you picture a sort of hard square box of a client, you know, large organizations particularly, but most clients in general are this kind of hard square box. They present a very flat square edge to the world, um, but the world is zigzag and crazy and changeable and unpredictable. Change is coming from everywhere. And they need their agencies to be the interface between those two things, between their straight unchangeable edge and the zigzag craziness of the world. So agencies at one side have to be interfacing with this, this flat surface and providing very reliable project management, account management, communications and so on. But at the other side, they have to be not just adapting to change, or just sensing the change, they also have to be creating the change. They are part of the reason for the zigzag in the world. The agencies are out there leading new development, new culture, new technology, and so on. So uh, agencies have to really be at the forefront of what's going on with the zigzag nature of the world, and so helping clients interface with that. So once agencies understand that, and they can get used to this concept of having the zigzag side to the agency, but also having the flat, straight, reliable, dependable side that they can present to clients, then they understand that there's that, that interface and they have to provide that shock absorber to what's going on in the world. And that means that as a leader of that kind of business, we have to be thinking in particular ways. First, we have to be looking far ahead and really taking the time to look from a higher position for a longer distance to understand and sense those changes in the world. We also have to be taking a sort of an advocacy position as leaders. We have to be out there kind of leading the charge, leading clients, leading the agency to these new worlds, these new changes. Um, and so as leaders, there's a lot for us to absorb there. There's the, the strategy part, but there's also that, um, that communications part, that advocacy part uh, that's going to be very important too. So um, that's what this podcast series is about quite a lot, actually. It's about how as leaders we can do that thing of sitting comfortably in our, the, our roles in the business, the upper hats as we talk about them, where we are the owners and shareholders, we are the directors, and we are the CEO or CXO roles 
within the business, rather than us getting absorbed into the day-to-day -day and everyday tasks. You know, we're ready to properly be a CEO, properly be a director, and take on those strategic roles so that we can help lead the agency in a way that allows it to be that effective interface uh, between the two. Now, Joe, you've done a lot of work looking for Agency Radar, the report that we produce twice a year about the kind of changes that are going on in the world and that agency leaders need to react to. What sort of things make up this zigzag world? Yeah, I mean, I hope that uh, image actually resonates with people very, very much. It's not just the pandemic, as you mentioned, Steve, that's that's uh, brought that, that has created this environment. It's actually these were trends that were already going on, and that's the key thing I think to understand this: that these were things that have already been happening in society at large, and that's why this business model, this uh, concept of what an agency is, is so important. The pandemic has just amplified them. The th so the things just to, to kind of point some fingers, really uh, signpost some things. Um, the key societal changes that we're we're looking at, global and and. Uh, changes and and change in the workplace are things like um, the impacts of technology. Technology has changed vastly uh, and uh, an ever accelerating rate uh, in the last um, couple of decades. Um, smartphones now are such a figment of people's um, daily life uh, in a way that they weren't even a decade ago. It's it's that bigger change. Um, the uh, availability of internet connection pretty much all the time or the assumption of all being always on always available is a huge change that's come uh, to bear and as a consequence of of that assumption now being there the expectations of the way work should be and way way we should behave in the work environment has changed massively so you know for example governments are changing from most forms being paper to being most forms online the assumption of everything online, everything is going online, is 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 really normal now. The pandemic has accelerated many of those changes. So shopping, for example, has changed massively from being in person in a physical shop to being largely um, now online uh, shopping, uh, and with everything that goes along with that, the delivery networks and the returns networks, um, uh, and so on. So those, those, there's some of those big shifts which are, are really important. Uh, but there's other things as well in um, the concept of what it is to be human within that world. Uh, the last decade or so has seen um, identity politics become a, a much more significant part of modern life. Uh, with movements like uh, Me Too and Black Lives Matter uh, and um, and others, you know, similarly, uh, have really changed the relationship between um, members of society. It um, upended some hierarchies which have been in place for generations, for centuries, for millennia even. Um, and the rate of those changes are causing shockwaves through society and are having effect in the workplace, in the dynamics of um, uh, sellers and buyers uh, um, in business and in retail and, and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there's many of those those changes going on. Uh, other aspects as well uh, in the political realm, um, the question of immigration and what it means to be an, a nation and a national nativism. Uh, has really changed things. We've seen that with the Brexit vote, uh, also with politics uh, in the US, but in other countries in Europe as well. 
um, and and beyond in in Brazil and uh, the Philippines and so on, um, and so so that kind of political dynamic is really shaping uh, the world uh, in which businesses find themselves. Uh, politics, which don't often get left at the door, frequently come into the workplace, and we've seen that blow up in a few companies quite dramatically in recent months. Um, and then the final aspect really to mention is the ebbs and flows of the economy, uh, which uh, are constantly there, but the pandemic in particular has um, really changed or had a, had a dramatic impact on, on aspects of the economy in ways that we were not, not expected. We've had uh, recessions before. We had a big global recession uh, triggered with the housing crisis in 2008 uh, or so. Um, but the the economic impact of the pandemic is so gigantic it has affected the whole world simultaneously and will be with us for years to come um, because of the way that it's affected uh, movements across borders, uh, manufacturing products, um, supply line, su supply chains and, and so on forth. Those effects will be with us for um, most likely for years um, and therefore will be creating um, great highs and great lows uh, of uh, inflation bubbles and uh, implosions and, and so on. Mm. So it's that kind of energetic, dynamic, constantly changing, enormous flux in the world at large, which um, agencies are the interface for, um, as you were saying, Steve. Well, on this episode of the Convivio Agency Leaders podcast, we're joined by a leader who has taken his agency through an enormous amount of change and quite a few crises in its long lifetime. Paul Bellows is the founder and CEO of the Yellow Pencil Agency uh, in Vancouver and Edmonton in Canada, and he joins us now. Uh, Paul, tell us, when did you start your agency? I started in 96. Um, so we started really in the early days of the web. And, and at that point, I had this grand dream that I was going to become a performing songwriter. And, and uh, for those of you on video, you can see my little collection of guitars here in the background that were, you know, now I joke, now I can afford the guitars I, I used to wish I owned when I was a musician. But, um, you know, I, I started really as a, a side hustle thinking I was going to, you know, learn to create web pages. I was doing my own digital marketing and, and, and the, the requirements in the, you know, the mid 90s to, to be a web agency where you needed to learn HTML and not much more, <laughs> you know, the worst, you know, which is a fairly rudimentary skill set. But it was just it was early days, and it was, you know it was just sort of the, the 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 wild west at that point. We were all just trying to figure out how to make anything at all uh, that could work. Uh, so we started in the early days, and it was just me for for years. So just like you, you know, I was I was working out of my kitchen table. I had a little laptop that I bought, uh, you know, and and um, I was just hustling to make a go of it. And there were a couple of key inflection points over the years. Um, you know, for the first four or five years, it was just me. And then I took a couple of larger contracts for large, you know, a large healthcare organization, a large media organization, radio uh, here in Canada. And they needed someone who knew anything at all about web and digital. And there were there's so few people that I got a couple of really great contracts to come in and help them to build large digital publishing platforms, digital streaming platforms, moving into some commerce or, you know, early days of commerce. You know, how might we actually take money over the Internet? It wasn't really clear. These were the days before PayPal or anything, you know, when, when the banks didn't really provide commerce service, the, you know, very much just, you know, duct tape and chewing gum cobbling these, these systems together. Um, so we grew over years um, and we had a couple of moments. We got interested in, in accessibility really early on, you know, how, how you make a system that anyone can use for just, I guess, a, a personal 
ethical interest. I, I just got really interested in, and that led us into some government work. Cause that was a question government was asking and we happened to know some things because we had learned ourselves. And then, um, then we got into, you know, content management systems, which in the early 2000s were, were few and far between. So people had wired databases and some code frameworks up so you could store content in a database rather than in flat HTML files. Uh, so we started working with some of the early content management publishers and, and I started building a bit of a team around me. We kind of grew. And, and, and at one point, we connected to um, one company that really grew quickly. And we grew along with them. And we grew from uh, a, a handful of us to, to nearly 40 people, really, in just a couple of years, uh, with absolutely none of the, the rigor and the, the governance and the systems and even just some of the base roles. We were, we were almost 30 people before we hired our first project manager. It was just a room full of people winging it as fast as they could. And the mistakes you made in one project were covered by the revenue of the next project which when you don't know what you're doing is, is seems legitimate, even though I look back and think, I don't know why I'm still in business. Um, but we, we grew really quickly in, into the, into the sort of the mid to late 2000s into you know, roughly 30 to 40 person agencies. Things kind of went up and down over a couple of years. We were really fo focused, you know, so it's great to hear you talk about how you're, you know, you're focused on content and so were we, yet we were focused on a different aspect of it, which was, what are the design systems that allow people to publish at scale? What are the platforms that allow people to publish at scale? What are the governance processes and how you work, how you actually create and manage and, and herd the cats of content on, on a large platform? And our clients tended to be you know, universities and large regulated co companies and government agencies. We were really interested in, in that content story. Um, and the company grew and you move up and down and one of the one of the big uh, again inflection moments it was another crisis which was you know the the, the company we've been working with who, who basically ran the content management platform that we we worked with put it out to pasture they said this technology has gotten a little old we're going to pick something new they were one of the big stack vendors who buy companies and acquire and integrate them and then some cut some loose and they they cut that platform loose and it was responsible for 100% of our new business development, no, 100% of our sales and marketing. We didn't even have a sale. I was the salesperson. I was the entirety of the sales department, which meant they would call me and I would write a proposal for a project. That was how we worked because all of our work came through that channel sales. So overnight, one of these crises was we had to learn who we were as an independent web agency in real time while still covering the mortgages of 30 some people. That was, it was, it was, uh, I don't, I, I went off payroll for, for almost a year. It was the same year that my, my daughter was born. So, you know, I, I'm, my partner is on, is on, on a, on a year of parental leave. I was on a short parental leave and came back and with absolutely no income had to run this business, retool this business and completely rethink, you know, who we are and how we go to market and who our customer is. And really over the years since then, you know, what we sort of learned from that, that crisis was how, how to do the work of building, you know, like a sales pipeline and, and operating a larger business and, and, you know, dealing with, you know, cash forecasting and revenue forecasting and, and portfolio management and account management, really all the aspects we had to learn on the fly. And it wasn't, you know, I, I don't think I really knew if I even knew what I was doing because, you know, we were, we're here in northern Canada. We're not, you know, in the time we were operating, we were one of the few agencies of our kind in this market. So I didn't have a lot of peers to compare myself to. And, and I joined, you know, Stevie and I know each other through a, a peer community of, of, called the Bureau of Digital, of other digital agency owners, one of the many similar types of organizations, but that's the particular community we met each other in. And it was when I went to the first conference and realized, oh, this, this group of oddball humans who ended up in this through various means are just like me. They know 
they have strengths and weaknesses, but generally we all know about the same amount of things. We're doing our absolute best. Most of us are winging it and, and most of us are continuing to keep our head above water despite not necessarily having the entire playbook on how to do that. Um, yeah. And so in, in that time then, you had yeah. to become a leader rather than just yeah. being a web developer along with everyone else. How did you yeah. change yourself? What did you try and develop in yourself? Well, and I think that is that is the essential question. And if you can, if you can answer that question, you can grow. And if you can't, you can't grow because you need to be somewhat different. I think there's, there's some really interesting inflection points that change who you need to be in the team. And I think the first one hit me when we passed 15 people. And I think that's a, whether it's exactly at 15 people, sort of somewhere between 12 to 18 people, every team of professional services people hits an inflection point where suddenly the company itself becomes part of it. I think up until then, small businesses are to some degree a cult of personality of the owner. You build relationships, you bring people along, you can all sit in a room together, look around and say, here's what we have in front of us, let's go get it, we're here together. It's very relationship dependent. And suddenly around 15 people, Someone will come to you one day and say, I think the company owes me a pay raise. And you will say, well, the company is just us, isn't it? It's just those of us in the room. It's, it's me. You're, you want more money from me because you know I'm not paying myself a lot. So you want more of my money? You know, what, what do you mean? And they say, no, 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 I've done research and the company owns you. And suddenly the company is a personality in the room. The company enters the room for the first time as an entity in the organization. They say, we are starting to look like a company. You know, we get that level of anonymity where it's, you know, this, this personality of the business emerges, you know, and, and you have to start to treat it and say, oh, I am now the owner of an entity, that entity employs people, and I need to start and think, you know, a acting in that way. Um, and so that was the first inflection point. You need to start to realize my ability to communicate with clarity, to treat this as an actual career for people, to treat the company and treat the health of the company as something that I am responsible for and I have to steward. That's a big growth moment for a lot of us as, as we sort of hit it. And it, it took me a couple of years to really understand what was even happening, that I needed programs, I needed policies, I needed things to exist within the company, or we were gonna start to lose people. And I think the next inflection point in my experience, you know, where, where you sort of hit another point where what you're doing begins to fail is probably around 25 to 30 people. There's this other moment as you're growing, and it's probably true of uh, accounting firms as much as digital agencies. You know, so I don't know this, but definitely in digital agencies, there's this moment where there's a kind of business overhead that starts to exist, where you know, up till about 25 people, you probably don't need HR as a formal role. You know, you can get by without it. No one needs to be dedicated to the hiring and to learning plans and to one-on-ones and to compensation management and knowing where everyone's at in the company. Sometime around 25, if you don't have a dedicated role there, you're gonna start to see leakage of humans. You know, they're gonna start to go, this is too chaotic, I don't understand. Who am I in this organization? People need to know their identity and how they belong to the company. And that's a body of work that needs to get done. You need dedicated financial um, uh, activity. You need people you know, running projects and portfolios. You need to create that overhead, that structure, because there's enough work that it can't just be um, ad hoc or off the side of someone's desk. And what that means once you have a leadership team is you're now the leader of the leadership team. And so now that those are your direct reports and you need to reinvent yourself again and say, okay, these people are my delegates. They're going out, they're doing things on my behalf. My ability to encode in them the values that I have, the purpose of the company, you know, the, the quality of standard of what we do. That's now my job is to offload my brain into these other people through clear communication, communication consistent feedback. Um, and that was sort of the next major piece for me. And then I'm really, I'm probably going through my, my next crisis of leadership now in real time, which is, you know, we're, we're at about 45 people now. And 
we sort of pivoted to this agency that you know we manage software and we we have a service design team and a and an interface design team, a web build team. We have managed services and a lot of moving parts in the business. And there, you know, like I like say, I pay forty five mortgages every month. That's my job is to pay every one of those mortgages every single month for all of my people and ensure that there's cash in the bank. You know, going forward. So now I need to look at this not just in terms of how the business is running, but like where's the market going, and you know what is our long-term you know, view, and where where are we going compared to the many competitors, larger and smaller, that we have? Because you're in a zone right now where it's just so easy to get buffeted by the storms of commoditization. You know, smaller shops that could do it cheaper, and oftentimes just as well on a one-off. You know, so how are we building a system of work so that we're doing this over and over again and getting consistent results? What are our recipes? Um, and then where are we going? You know, whether we're growing in numbers or not, like how are we assured that in two years and five years, we're going to have a consistent stream of work? How are we positioning ourselves in terms of our service? And how are we getting everyone in the organization to line up around that positioning and do the right thing? So just the amount of overhead, and it really comes down to clarity. You know, that's, and I think that's the, the moment that I'm going through of learning right now where I haven't always been clear about where we're going. So I think for us to get to our next stage of growth, whatever that is, is going to be me giving people a clear message on what we're doing that is completely aligned to the market we're trying to serve and what their current and future needs are going to be. So those are those are some of the things I've had to learn as a leader as I grew. Easy job. I can't eh? wait to learn what's next. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. Paul, do you um it's it's really interesting hearing you talk because you've been able to give quite a clear um vocalization of these inflection points as you called them, these kind of clear moments. Is that would you say because you've learned them through advert? I mean, it sounded like you blasted through each of those those thresholds as you went along. Quickly, straight in the crazy growth. Was it kind of looking back in retrospect, or um, through the pain of the experience, or did you have external kind of voices who were saying, "Paul, I think you need to think about like this"? Well, a bit of uh, yes to all of those. So you know, it, it, they're, they're the first thing um, that forces you to change is a crisis. Something will start to go wrong and it will go along. You will ignore it at first. You will say, this will pass. This will be fine. This is a moment in time. This is just one bad egg in the employees who's complaining about X and then it's two and then it's everyone, you know, really quickly. Um, and you get a crisis where you realize if I don't change myself, because the thing that we as a species don't like to do is change ourselves. We want ourselves to be OK. We want where what we were to be the safe place to be. And then you realize, actually, the cost of staying the same is greater than the cost of changing. You get to this point where just at an accounting level, it's like, yeah, I, I need to reinvent myself a little bit here. And it's not changing what you are, who you are, of course. It's changing how you show up, what you do in the day, how you behave, how you communicate, what you prioritize. You know, so it's sort of the external trappings of how you show up in the job that you have. Um, you're still yourself, hopefully. You know, and I think the, the degree to which you are authentically you is, is again, a real bellwether of success for people. Can you stay you as you move through these transitions, uh, true to yourself? But you know, crises and, and things you can no longer ignore are the first part. And then you need external input. You need whether it's a formal advisory board, whether it's a peer, you know, a community of peers who you can talk to and will tell you, here's why you're a, a total dummy right now. Like, like you're missing something really obvious. You can't, you can't do that anymore. Isn't it clear to you? Um, you know, so you do need that external feedback. And that came to me through, you know, I talked with the Bureau of Digital Community. That's been essential for me. I'm in a peer coaching group with other CEOs locally in my community, people from different industries who are at different stages of growth, solving different problems. Um, and then I just, anytime I can get together with other agency owners just to talk shop, I, I lean into it. I'm going to learn something every time. Um, even if I learned something by me telling, giving someone else advice, I'll think, you know, that, that was great advice. I should listen to what I just said. But, you know, I think it's that community and those other people because you just, it's too hard to do it on your own. 
you just you can't sit, see yourself with enough critical lucidity. But you also need a crisis. Otherwise, we, we don't change without a crisis. Something external needs to happen or something internal needs to happen or a system needs to fail and break down due to growth or due to external pressures. So, you know, I don't, there are people who probably are much smarter and more capable and, and with a better work, that, work ethic than me. But I, I found it's taken me getting to some sort of some point of crisis before I'm able to really muster the strength to, to create those, those necessary intrinsic changes to, to create just a new context for how I'm doing what I'm doing. Do you think it's possible as you learn from those crises that you may be able to reshape yourself and the business in advance of other crises? Do you think that it's equipping you with tools generally? Yeah, yeah. You know, like the so you know, for instance, when we when we lost our external channel partner that was feeding us all of our work and revenue, you know, we could have looked at that as a short term and said, you know, okay, let's just solve that one problem. But it really exposed we had a whole host of problems. So we got really busy for about a year and a half and completely reinvented how the company worked. We built the project management office. We built dashboards for your revenue reporting. We built a sales pipeline. We, we dove deep and learned how you, how you create sales funnel, how you manage sales, what does sales look like um, in a more mature organization. And, and we just didn't want to be back there. The fear of getting back to that point of, oh, we're running out of work and we have all these people. And what, what actually happens when we run out of money you know, in an agency and people are expecting to get paid? You know that's a terrifying thing for I think for anyone who is in you know in any way interested in the livelihood of their of their the humans who choose to work with them. You know that's a terrifying thing to confront. We've never we've never missed a payroll in 25 years. Never missed a payroll. But facing that as a potential reality, that was that was a fire that was lit under us that, that made us work fast and hard to fix all kinds of aspects of the business. So that was important. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know you to the best of your ability to see farther ahead from where you are. You know, cause I don't I don't know what it would be like. We're forty five today. I have no idea what it would be like to run a seventy five person agency. I haven't been there. I haven't experienced it. I don't know who I need to be to show up there. I just haven't been there yet. But hopefully, I can see enough now that I can prepare at least the framing of that that moment itself. So that when I get there, you know, we're not. I'm learning more and more that, that I need to prepare ahead. That something's coming that I'm not going to be ready for. And I'm going to need to build that network, that early warning network of talking to people who run a 200-person agency, a friend of mine in construction who has a thousand employees. You know, what do you do? How do you show up? So I've really used that peer network just to have conversations, to get that early warning, to say what kinds of things might I need to prepare for for the company we might become in the future if we continue to grow. Okay. And so, what sort of leadership structure do you have now? Do you have formal board meetings? I mean, not formal as in seconded this and moving yeah. this motion but you know do you have regular board meetings that you prepare for and you get the, your leadership team together for that how do you run things at the top level so we, we have a leadership team in the organization and there's a, a couple of key roles people who are responsible for you know finance and administration and and people ops people responsible for technology people who are responsible for managed service and support People are responsible for design, people are responsible for sales and marketing, and the people are sort of responsible for project management office and portfolio and, and client success. So those are sort of the key roles that we have in the organization at our size. And every one of those folks is sort of a lieutenant who owns an area of business, who's responsible to operate it. We have daily stand-ups. We have a weekly two-hour meeting where we sit down and process whatever important strategic issue we need to process, decisions that need to get made. There's a, few, there's, there, there's a whole series of other operational meetings that each of those lieutenants go and operate on, on, on my behalf. Uh, within, within the business. Um, and then right now we don't have an external board of directors. That is something I would like to form at some point. We, we had one for a while that disbanded at some point just through attrition and, and people having other priorities. And it's been a couple of years since I reformed it. Um, I also had, I had a business partner who was a 50% business owner. I, I bought him out about four years ago. He wanted to go try something new. We've been through a couple of rough years and he said, ah, 
I'm going to go ride a different horse for a while, just try something new and see if I can rebuild my adrenal reserves here after a couple of years working in digital. But, um, but you know, so at, at that point, we sort of, board of directors fell apart, but now is about the time I'm going to start to reform that as sort of a proxy for that. I'm, I'm in this peer coaching group where, where I get together once a month for a full day long session with a group of CEO peers who all have different, but remarkably similar problems. And, and then also a two hour coaching session with a coach and then sort of an informal kind of tiger groups of people who will get together with you from time to time to process kind of real time challenges that we confront. So I sort of this informal board through, uh, through this uh, CEO peer coaching network that I'm part of. Okay, Paul, thank you very much for sharing all of that with us. Absolutely fascinating how you've led the business through those crises and what you've learned over that time, and also just how open and willing you are to share about all of that. Thank you so much, Paul. Well, Joe, you've been listening to that. Um, what are some of the key points we can take out here? I mean, first of, of all, there is simply the number of crises the business has survived through. To go for 25 years in the agency world is incredible and hats off to Paul there all of our hats off to Paul um, uh, to that um, because that that is a massive achievement but what's clear there is that there were a number of crises that he did need to lead the, biz the business through and to change it in that time yeah exactly it's very interesting thinking back to what Sue was saying in the previous episode uh, about the, her business being birthed in the financial crisis of 2007-8 leading to Brexit and the pandemic. Paul's obviously experienced uh, a, a number of those aspects for himself uh, in the Canadian political world and uh, the global economy. Uh, but also Paul drew us to the kind of crisis, crises which are experienced in every agency that are not to do with those large global issues, but are to do with um, uh, the markets that we, we join, the clients that we have, uh, interesting, especially hearing from Paul as a leader of a digital agency, um, dealing with what we were talking about at the beginning about the impact of technology and the changes in technology over time, that as uh, systems uh, that we invest time and effort and energy into becoming experts in, in order to sell them as uh, through services to our clients, um, become old and become legacy systems and are then uh, eventually retired. That those bring about uh, moments of crisis inevitably by themselves because they mean that we have big decisions to make about whether we stay in this market, whether we stay with this technology. It's something that we've seen in our research with uh, agency leaders uh, more widely in other industries and in other sectors um, and trying to understand for them uh, that, that dynamic of having to make a big change to the business. Uh, it's a moment of enormous challenge because many people will have joined the business in order to be part of this tech, say, that you're part of, that you've uh, you've got involved with, that you've got expertise with, you may well have hired people who are specialists in that area. Um, but if you need to make some big fundamental change as a technology, as a tool, as a platform, as a methodology um, becomes old and uh, eventually redundant, you have to make those big changes and that isn't necessarily a moment of crisis. Yeah. Amazing to hear Paul's story that he's navigated a way through it with his uh, with his team as they've done it, but it's not an easy one. No, absolutely, and and actually that story, you know, regardless necessarily of the technology angle, but so many agencies that I see, uh, because uh, founders are often a little bit scared of sales and reticent about making sales, align themselves as a partner of a larger business. And so all of their leads start coming through this other organization and they're reliant 
you know, upstream of them in the pipe sales pipeline is this other big organization. And they just wait, pick up the phone that they're being assigned a project from the stack. Um, and that's a really risky position to be in. It seems great because all this stuff comes in and you don't have to do sales, but it means you have no control over your access to the clients and you are not building that capability within the agency. So I think it, you know, the rule all the time is never let one client be worth more than 30% of your business. And that has to be really true as well of partners. Um, so even if you've got a partner upstream, don't let it dominate your business. Yeah, and I found in particular the, the phrase that Paul used to describe that happening. Uh, one of those things that's clearly very hard won for him and quite painful to, you know, the phrase which um, stood out to me, that the cost of staying the same is larger than the cost of changing. It's very difficult to get to that incre uh, that, that, that moment of crisis there, to realise that you can't just carry on going this direction, that you have to make that a big change. As you say, coming on with, um, you know, going lock, stock and barrel in with, uh, with one um, partner in particular into one particular ecosystem. Uh, yes, it's a, it's a risk. Yeah. Also, I took out of this, you know, his descriptions of the crises and managing through them, just how much, um, you know, came out in this research we've done with agency leaders. They talked about this loneliness thing and how it all rests with them, the sense of responsibility on their shoulders. And that came clear because he talked about how he couldn't pay himself for a year um, mm. as he was turning the business around and changing direction and really building it up again. Um, and I'm sure many agency leaders have been in that position at one time or another, where there's either at the beginning or in some crises, they are the ones who have to stop taking an income and they take that on their shoulders. And it just shows because that contrasts with later, he talked about how he feels that responsibility for paying everybody else's mortgage in the business. That's his responsibility as a leader. But to do that, he sacrifices, you know, the income that's paying his mortgage. And it's that's kind of that load that's sitting on uh, agency leaders' shoulders. Yeah, and there's, a, there's as you said, a great loneliness in that, isn't there, as well? He, he talked at one point about um, very relatively early on the business realising this transition point is coming, partly because someone came to him and said, I feel the company needs to pay me more. But then I think was slightly later was saying there's an inability uh, in the loneliness of leadership to be saying in response, do you not realise that I'm not paying myself so that you can be paid? It's a really difficult point to, to be at. And yet I suppose a necessary part of being a, an agency leader. Yeah. Part of that risk reward equation, really. Risking your sanity in the hope mm. of some reward uh, yeah. later on down. OK, so that's that's kind of, you know, we learned a lot then from Paul about, you know, managing those crises and dealing with that. And as part of that, he talks well about these inflection points, these kind of key growth stages. And that's when businesses hit some of those challenges, agency businesses in particular, where it's not just about what's going on in the external world. It's about what's going on in the business. And suddenly there's a need for a different way of working. There's a need for a change driven by those points in the business. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was, uh, again, a, a particular phrase that stuck out to me was what Paul used at this, what he called the second inflection point, 25 to 30 people, I think it was the kind of numbers he put around it, where he said you, he realised that he was now the leader of the leadership team. But then cycling back, it, it kind of the first um, genesis of the, of the team is that you are the team when there's five, six, seven, eight of you, you are all together. And then that first inflection point, you move from being the team to, to him being the leader of the team. 
And then thirdly, he now is the leader of the leadership team, um, which is a really, really interesting kind of uh, growth in the scale of things uh, through those inflection points. And really interesting that he that was then able to identify what it is that changed at those points. Uh, for the first one, that this is where the company becomes a personality. I think is the phrase he, he used. It becomes an entity in the room that has a life of its own. At least that's the way it's being perceived by members of the team. And then at uh, at the second inflection point, it's the, the, the necessity to have in place key roles uh, like HR, like finance, um, like project management. They have to be in place in order for the thing to survive. And then at the third level, it's that how, how do we keep this um, organisation, uh, this body, this entity going with the recipes? That was a phrase he used, I think, wasn't it? Mm, the recipes yeah. that can be repeated, the systems of work that we can do this over and over again. Fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. It mirrors so much of what we see in agencies as we're sort of mentoring or working with them uh, you know, in the training and so on. Uh, and we've talked to you know regularly about these kind of inflection points, these change points, um, and you know that transition of being a you know a leader of a team to being the leader of the leadership team just captures that so perfectly. Um, that kind of change that's required, and many leaders find it really difficult to make that leap, and they still do the running around, leading on the day-to-day -day things rather than the leading the organisation and leading the people who do the leading. Um, and I think that change is one of the hardest to do. And partly one of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast is helping people think in those higher hats that we talk about it, the upper hats of being the, the uh, owner, being the um, board member, director, and being the CEO, rather than being the team lead, the HR manager, whatever, um, within the business. So that's you know a whole part of why we wanted to run this podcast. Now, one of the things that Paul talked about um, that really struck me when he talked about taking on that role of being the leader of the leadership team rather than the leader of the team um, is that he's really realised that his job is about instilling in the leadership team what's important to him about the business and his role uh, you know he know he's successful in that role if he gets real clarity in the business about the values of the business the purpose of the business uh, how it should work what it should be doing um, at a really high level and if that clarity is there he's succeeding as a leader and i thought that was a very good way of framing it yeah, in fact, absolutely. I, I was, I'm so glad you pulled that out. I was about to reflect back as well, a phrase that he talked about staying himself. How do you stay you as you move through these transitions? Which is another reflection, I suppose, or another way of saying, um, you know, what are these intrinsic um, characteristics, traits, values, um, principles that determine the unique identity of my organisation, my agency, my, my company here? Uh, what is it that's there that remains as we go from being a team to being um, uh, a company to being um, uh, the larger body that uh, you're running? Uh, what is it that you keep as you as you go through those transitions? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that also impressed me then moving on to uh, sort of another area that he talked about was getting this external advice. So how how could he still be him and also grow as a leader and develop that and take that upper hat that role looking further ahead and so on and so getting the coaching uh, you know he was having formal coaching he was having 
peer group coaching. He was part of some of the communities and he mentioned the Bureau of Digital, uh, which he's a member of, I'm a member of as well. It's brilliant. It's run by an absolutely brilliant bloke called Carl. Um, and the community, the sense community there is great. So anyone listening who's not encountered that, if you do run a digital agency, uh, take a look at the Bureau of Digital Google that uh, and it'll come up and it's really well worth being a member of that. Other agency communities uh, that we know about that are really worth joining if you're a, a leader who'd like to network with other leaders and so on. Uh, agency Hackers in the UK is a great one. That's a really open, transparent, friendly community where it's kind of a really safe space for people talking about what's really going on for them as leaders. And that's great. So again, if you Google Agency Hackers, that'll come up. And Agency Collective is another really good group in the UK. Um, and that's uh, very much focused on, you know, leaders and them uh, operating you know, the operations of their agency, you know, the sales, the finance, that sort of thing. It's a really good community for exchanging tips on that and running businesses more effectively. So that's worth Googling as well. Now, if we haven't mentioned an agency community, an agency leaders community that you know about and you really rate and you'd like us to mention, you can get in touch with me and Joe. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Convivio. That's C-O-N-V-I-V-I-O at Convivio. Or you can email us, which is hello at convivio.com. And we can mention them on future episodes of the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And any mentions of any agency leadership communities, we'd very much welcome. And we'll give them a shout out in future episodes. So those communities were a key part as well. Um, and he had what he described as tiger groups, informal groups where it's just other leaders getting together. And then also any chance he got to have a coffee with agency leaders and so on which Sue mentioned on the last episode as well, that she likes to do that and grab coffee with people um, and learn from that. But at the moment, it was interesting to know, even though he's sort of up at 45, he doesn't yet have a board structure, but he wants to, he's looking into that. He's had it in the past, but it's on a pause. And so he's looking at that again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the aspect of having an advisory board, having that critical view... <clears throat> As Paul mentioned, having uh, an external um, analytical view is, uh, I think, absolutely vital, especially as you grow. But it's there, it's there from from very early on. My own experience speaks loudly of it. In the very smallest businesses uh, that I, I've been part of, we've always had someone who's external, essentially a kind of a non-exec, someone who's a specialist, has a history in business, to be able to bring that wealth of wisdom as an external to, to your organisation, to your business, uh, is absolutely vital. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, it was great hearing from Paul. And Joe, thanks very much for your uh, views, your analysis of everything that he's had to say. Um, this is the Convivio Agency Leaders podcast. I'm Steve Parks. This is Joe Baker. Uh, every episode, which will come out roughly every two weeks, we'll be talking to a different agency leader about how they fulfill their role, how they lead their business, how they grow as a leader, and how they take on wearing those upper hats of being the owner, being the director, being the CEO of a an organization and how they take the time and are productive and effective in those roles and it's great to learn from other agency leaders about how they're doing that because otherwise it's quite a lonely role being at the top of these uh, organizations ever-changing uh, ever complicated uh, world of agencies so to hear from each other and to share these lessons is absolutely great so join us on the next episode in a couple of weeks time you can also subscribe to our newsletter so if you go to our website which is 
is convivio.com. Uh, you'll be able to sign up for our newsletter and every Monday morning uh, we'll send you a few little stories and tips and bits and pieces that are going on that are worthwhile and make a good start to the week for agency leaders. So sign up at convivio.com to our uh, newsletter. And if you're enjoying these podcasts and the newsletters, then please do share them with other agency leaders. It's really great to spread the word and get more people uh, into this and sharing their stories and able to hear the stories of other leaders. So join us on the next episode, sign up for our newsletter, and you can find out more about us at convivio.com. And we'll see you next time for more from the Convivio Agency Leaders podcast. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.